Nos despega. Joining me in the studio uh, now is John, and joining me on the phone from Auckland is Ruby. Are you there, Ruby? Yes, I am. Wonderful. Hi, Ruby. John here. Morning. Sorry, I'll turn everybody's mics on, and then we can... Okay, cool. Now we can do this uh, like grown-ups. Uh, so, uh, politics. The biggest news in the country this week has been Pride out of Auckland. Yeah. Uh, why... <sighs> What is the problem, and uh, is the problem the police or the uniforms? Um, I think it's been made clear um, by the board that the problem is the uniform. Um, there are other there are other people um, advocating who have a problem with the police more generally. I have a problem with the way the police handle things more generally, and um, it's certainly the reason the uniform is an issue is because of continued discrimination um, against some people in the queer community by police. But the reality is the only the only thing that was asked of the police was to not wear uniforms. They weren't, you know, a lot of people are talking about this as a ban of police in the parade. Uh, that's not, I mean, that's not correct. They were asked not to wear uniform and to wear t-shirts instead, but they were still encouraged to attend. And it's, it's them really spitting the dummy that's, um, you know, that's caused this whole thing and them uh, sort of going to the media over it. Um, so I'd say it's a problem with the uniform. Yeah, fair. I would have thought, as an outsider, um, I mean, as an entirely outsider, I'm a straight white male who lives in a different part of the country, but I would have thought this was a perfect opportunity for the police to, excuse the pun, swallow some pride, say, yep, fine, we support people uh, more than uniforms. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that would be uh, a that way they can be involved, and also uh, cynically, the optics on it would be great. I mean, that that's the thing that makes you think that they that they care so much about the optics and about pink washing it is you know why why does the uniform matter so much? Well, it's an it's an advertisement for them. Um, you know, they're not as visible as police officers if they don't have the uniform on. Um, and it makes you think that they care more about promoting the fact that the, that they believe that they're inclusive than they do a, about actually supporting the queer community. Uh, yeah, it's it's a real tricky one because I know queer police officers. Yeah. Um, and uh, I know that they have no problem with their organisation, their... Uh, um, and it's also, I guess, there's a larger psych social psychological issue in terms of yeah. the police uniform, and because that's part of, I guess, the deterrent. Of yeah, yeah. I I think the two sides to the uniform, the two two sides to the uniform argument and the significance of it are, um, you know, the people on the pro uniform side that I've heard have said, well. Uh, one, it's the same people there, whether they're in or out of uniform. And um, and two, for these police officers, for them to be proud, you know, for them to be at Pride and, and to be proud of themselves, for them, the uniform is more than um, more than just a job. It's a vocation. You know, it's, mm. it's not like um, 
you know, chucking your countdown uniform on or whatever. It's it's something that they're uh, really dedicated to for a significant part of their lives. And I appreciate that argument, but it is it is different talking to a police officer in uniform versus out of uniform. Yeah. And they do represent a different thing when they're in uniform. They represent a form of authority. And it's a form of authority that's been traditionally leveled against the queer community and still continues to be leveled against a lot of um, trans people in particular. Mm. Yeah, certainly. So could you explain the... You used the phrase uh, in the last statement, pinkwashing? I don't understand what that means. Uh, so pinkwashing is when uh, organisations try to engage in... You know, try to join in pride parades, try to join in... Um, queer sponsorship and stuff like that just to make themselves look like they're queer friendly and to gain customers to gain support without necessarily making changes to policy that help people oh right um, okay so an example would be um a lot of the banks supporting pride despite the fact that they will often make it difficult for trans people to open accounts depending on um you know what kind of id the trans person has whether they have a um a gender or name that line up with their um you know with their birth certificate um for example um and i won't name which bank here but i've got you know like my name is legally ruby i've changed all of that stuff um but changing it on your birth certificate is much harder. You need to go to court for that. And because I don't have it changed all the way through on my birth certificate, even though I can provide... Um, well, sorry, I've changed my name on my birth certificate, but because I haven't changed um, my gender on my birth certificate or, or erased my birth name from it, I can't change my credit card over. Oh. So every month I get two sets of mail from the bank, one under my birth name and one under my current name. Um, so it's a little bit rich for them to be saying that they're doing as much as they can for the community when such a simple thing still still doesn't work. Yeah, that does seem uh, amazingly cynical because, uh, again, you would assume that the parade organisers want as many people involved, but also you want... I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, honest engagement? Yeah, you want it to be uh, genuine. Um, yeah. And I think that's the thing that's happening now with the, you know, with the sponsors. People are saying, well, it's, it's terrible that they're pulling out. And it's, it's terrible in the sense that, um, you know, making sure that there's enough money for the parade to go ahead. But I think a lot of us would rather have a smaller parade or a smaller celebration that actually represents our values than necessarily something that includes every company and group under the sun whether or not those groups actually are advocating for us yeah certainly and i guess that points to a, a significant political and ideological divide within the queer movement now when yeah. the at a time when when queer people were extremely oppressed uh, when yeah. it was uh, you know homosexuality was illegal yeah. um, gay people could be thrown in jail Wasn't and i'm sure if you talked to lots of taken old off the law books last year uh, homosexuality in terms of um, uh, law reform happened in the 1980s oh, under, sorry, uh, under the fourth Labour government right. uh, but there's been um, yes, various um, further steps towards less oppression such as um, making it illegal to discriminate against uh, gay yeah. people came later with um, I believe the uh, Bolger-led national government but this really does point to a, a significant sort of radical and, and conservative divide within the queer community and I think yeah. that's come about because in the past um, 
game, you know, the natural sort of organic unity of, of queer people because of the extreme oppression they, they face from the police, from the state and from society yeah. as a whole, as that oppression on, uh, on the face of it has decreased and as, as um, especially more well-off gay people, um, yeah. upper middle class gay people could more easily fit into establishment mm. institutions, whether it's corporations, whether it's the police, the army, or, or being a part of government and the bureaucracy, then that, that's, it's almost natural that a, a political split is going to happen amongst those more prosperous and pro-establishment queer people that feel happy with the system, and those more marginalised, uh, possibly poorer, uh, and, and um, queer people who are oppressed in multiple ways because of the ethnicity, mm. because of the gender identity. Uh, so it's natural that this divide has come about. But what it points to, and what I would argue, is possibly that there's no longer a possibility for a unified gay community, queer community, and, yeah. and for parades that can express the diverse politics that now exists within the queer community. That, yeah. in a sense, maybe the queer community is dead, but that doesn't mean that the queer liberation movement is dead. But maybe it's, it's necessary for a split to happen for the more radical elements of the queer community to be able to voice their concerns. Mm. I feel that this is, uh, and again, I am by no means uh, an expert, but I feel that this is a struggle that a lot of fringe communities go through along uh, the same way uh, even things like environmental movements and animal protection mm. movements uh, as well as like social scenes like uh, the a punk was the worst thing that your child could be in 1977 whereas in 1987 it was fucking passe mm. and the, um, the mouldy uh, political movement uh, has gone through that same split where you had, say, with, yeah. the, with the establishment of the Māori Party, uh, um, the leaders of that were completely willing to work alongside either Labour or National uh, and to w work alongside iwi elites, corporate iwi elites, and that led to a split. And mm. You had Mana and Hone uh, Hauawera split off mm. and, and form a more left-leaning, working-class-centred uh, uh, Māori Party, the Mana Party. So, yeah, I think as as a section of marginalised groups become more entangled and accepted by the establishment, inevitably uh, political splits happen, radical conservative political splits. Yeah, I, I think that um, what we're seeing here is, in terms of the groups involved, I think what we're largely seeing is a split between um, the trans community and people who look more outwardly queer um, versus people who've been more able to assimilate easily. Um, and I think that's by no means absolute, but I think that that's a large part of the split that we're seeing, um, you know, between um, older people in the queer community who are just um, gay or lesbian, but but otherwise appear, you know, quote-unquote normal, mm. um, versus people who are more, you know, visibly able to be targeted on the street. And I, I see a lot of the condemnation of the decision coming from actually older people who lived through that experience of, um, of discrimination. I mean, I was born one year after the homosexual law reform, for example, and that's one thing that's thrown around a lot is, well, you younger people don't even know what it's like to be actually oppressed, but it's, it's quite a different experience to be a trans woman, for example, and to be 
uh, more visible as a queer person on the street whereas if you're just gay unless you're actually making out with your partner right then and there like who can necessarily tell mm. that you're gay um, and I think those people have you know now that you know they've l- largely won what they were fighting for um, you know now with equal marriage um, ability to adopt all those kinds of things. A lot of those people are living lives that are pretty much indistinguish- uh, indistinguishable from their straight counterparts. Um, that's not the case for a lot of um, younger trans people, for example, or other gender non-conforming people. You know, we're still fighting for, um, you know, proper medical recognition to have, you know, the correct legal name and gender on on paperwork, all kinds of things. Um, and I think that this resembles it resembles other splits. In communities that, and it particularly resembles, um, you know, women's rights. You know, as women's rights groups have fought and made gains, you've often seen um, white women, better off white women within those circles, sort of become more establishment, and that's often come at the expense of women who are opposed, uh, are oppressed along other axes. So, um, women of colour, for example, and you quite often end up in the situation where. You know, someone will say, well, we've made so many strides, things are so much better, and then you have women of colour going, well, things aren't that much better for us, we haven't really moved that far forward, and I think we're seeing a lot of that from trans people where, um, you know, the change hasn't, um, the change hasn't come all the way down to us yet, um, and I think that's exacerbated by, you know, as much as this country isn't America, the reality is so much of the media, so much of the messaging we consume in English comes from America and there is a huge assault on trans rights going on under um, Donald Trump right now Um, and I think a lot of trans people are just fed up with the news and what they have to hear each day Um, and now it's come to our parade, our pride and um, it's a little bit of the the straw that broke the camel's back Uh, Yeah, that sounds like uh no easy road to hoe. Uh, for those of you just joining us, kia ora, good morning. Uh, it is 14 minutes away from 9 o'clock. You're listening to the Otago Museum Radio 191 FM Breakfast. Uh, thanks to the Otago Museum for bringing us to this. Uh, so we're currently talking politics with Ruby and Phil. Uh, sorry, John. <laughs> um, Ruby, so... I'm, like I say, a straight white male in a different part of the country, and I'm starting to feel discouraged by all of this. What yeah. can what can allies do to help? Um, I mean, I think a big thing right now is allowing people who are significantly affected by this and for, who, for whom this has gotten really vitriolic, allowing them to disengage to some extent and to be there and kind of... Um, shield them and put your voice in like for example so i got contacted about um speaking to you guys yesterday um about 12 hours after i decided to disengage from the news and i'd actually disabled my facebook because i didn't want to see any more of this stuff um you know and then the irony was you know being being asked to speak about it and i sort of thought well you know i i want to but at the same time sitting through this each day you know makes you feel like shit yeah. Um, you know, watching people on the Pride board, um, you know, getting abused, getting told to kill themselves, et cetera, et cetera, um, is, 
is horrible and it's horrible it's that it's coming from within your own community and and how can those people be so out of touch um that they don't realize there are people that still um aren't as well off as them um so allies um being there for people listening to people providing emotional care and support um amplifying the voices of people who are already speaking not speaking over them but um but saying well look i know someone who who's lived this experience and who um you know who i want to support you should really listen to them here's something that they've written here's something that they've said um that really resonates with me i think that's important i think having having visibility um having visible allies is really important and i think also even even if you don't want to get in the middle of it even if you don't you know even if you're not sure and you think oh i, I quite like the police but um just standing up and and acknowledging that the amount of vitriol going towards the anti-uniform side right now is not not okay i mean in any amount of um extreme vitriol from any side is not okay but um you know, given that there seems to be a real beat-up effort on one side at the moment, I think just acknowledging that that's, that's not okay. Um, you know, there's a lot of really nasty, um, in comment sections on articles and stuff, there's a lot of really nasty stuff like, you know, oh, um, it's just the trannies getting upset over this, da 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 and, and that's disgusting to see from within the community, you know. Oh, it's really frustrating. I used to get really bothered when punks fought punks. Like, I, I thought we were all united against a, a common enemy that isn't yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, that's an amazingly uh, callous and non-sequitur uh, draw line to draw. Um, thank you very much for your time, Ruby, this morning. Uh, I've really appreciated uh, hearing your perspective. And also, thank you for re-engaging with something that you had you were done with um because i can totally appreciate how uh fucking crushing this must be it's demoralizing it's it's watching everyone else argue about your life um while you're in the room yeah oh my god yeah wow Yeah. yeah thanks very much ruby for coming on um, I'd just like to point out that I was, I was really disappointed looking at the Express website. So, of course, Express was uh, yep. was the main um, magazine newspaper for the yeah. gay community for decades. And yeah. the, the, the language they've been using it's in Express is very much one of marginalising these radical voices. So talking about I, this has yeah. been a takeover by a small select group, Papa, People Against Prison Aotearoa, that the Pride Board has been capitulating to this this group and this group is not explicitly linked to our communities which I think is a disgusting thing to say well, to say that Papa yeah. is not really part of the queer community where the lead, yeah. the leaders of Papa are, are clearly uh, an integral yeah. part of the queer community well, like, like we were saying uh, off here before we started the segment uh, I know lesbians and trans folks in Auckland who are feeling that they're being pushed out of their own community mm-hmm. by rich homosexual gay males yeah. Um, yeah, well, because what I was told was if I'm uncomfortable with the with the uniforms that I just shouldn't attend which makes it seem like oh cool that's totally there in, mm-hmm. the police being there in uniforms at Pride is more important than the entirety of the queer community being at, uh, being at Pride which is bizarre well yeah you've, you've got to think of the banks getting their optics I mean we don't yeah, yeah. we don't want a Vodafone banner in front of a frothing crowd 
Um, sorry, Ruby. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for your time.